Good morning. Hey, Rivertown, good to have all of you with us on every one of our campuses. You know, one of, one of the most exciting times of my week is just a time of get to be together with all of you and just know that God is showing up on all of our campuses and doing amazing things. And as we're kicking off 2019, as always, we're being very intentional about what we believe God is saying to us and saying, wants to say to us as a church body. And today we have like one goal. And we're just going to tell you right up front what that is. And so here's our goal. Our goal is to challenge you to see, your, see the world and see your world differently. Now, here, here's why that is so important for every one of us. Whether you're a Christ follower, you're not a Christ follower, we all see the world. Every one of us as individuals, we see the world through like this unique lens. And that lens then shapes how we interact with people. Because see... Here's the thing, how you see people always determines how you treat people. So what happens is, because of that, too many times what happens is, is whenever we um, like see somebody, we immediately size them up and, and we place them in some kind of category. For example, like people who've lived in our region for any period of time, I mean, they kind of maybe grew up in our region or they often see the world like through war eagles or roll tide or gators or Seminoles. Isn't that kind of how we see our world? You know, that's kind of on the fun side of it. But here's, here's the sad reality. The sad reality is some people in our region, they see the world as white and black or white and everybody else. See, some people see the world as like rich and poor, and some people see the world as Christian and non-Christian. Some people see the world as Democrat or Republican. Some people see the world as they need to start the government up again or whatever. Some people see the world as blue collar or white collar, you know, that kind of thing. See, here's the thing. We all tend to create categories in which we put people. And guess what happens whenever you create categories in which you put people? Here's the thing. How you see people that you put in these categories determines how you treat those people. Because see, whenever you put people in a category, what it does is it consciously or subconsciously influences how you view that person. And here's the thing, you can't keep how you view or see a person from influencing how you treat them. It's just human nature. In fact, it's so much human nature that when Jesus was walking on this earth, during that time period, just like us, people, they had their buckets or they had their categories that they would put people in. Now, here's what's interesting, and you may find this absolutely surprising, but Jesus did too. In fact, Jesus, he had like two categories that he put people in. And guess what? How he saw people impacted how he treated people. In fact, his categories often got him in trouble with like the religious leaders of the day because see, the religious leaders of the day, they didn't like his categories. And here's the other thing that we often don't think about. And Jesus didn't like the categories of the religious leaders. In fact, it created enough conflict that it eventually led to the religious leaders plotting the death of Jesus. So here's the question. How did Jesus see the world so that it was so offensive to the religious leaders? Like, what were the two categories which Jesus put people in that caused such a conflict with the religious leaders of that day? Well, one of the best examples of these two worlds colliding is an incident that's recorded in Luke chapter 15. In fact, here's what Luke says happened. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. 
Now, in this one statement right here, Luke gives us a glimpse into how Jewish people saw the world in the first century. See, one of their categories was tax collectors and sinners. That was a group of Jewish people, and there were the Jewish people saw this as a category within their people. See, these were people, this was a group of Jewish people that would like never darken the doors of like a Jewish temple or a synagogue. And they were never, even if they wanted to, they weren't even welcome to. Like no devout Jew would ever welcome like a tax collector or a sinner into a place of worship. And and they they surely would not eat a meal with them in their home. So like this group of people, they were like at the bottom of the Jewish social ladder. And as far as any good practicing Jew was concerned, they were at the bottom of God's ladder as well. So let me ask you a question because this is where it gets real practical. How do you think you would treat someone that you see as a person that God doesn't love? And you know what, if we're honest, we we all kind of know the answer to that, don't we? Not very well. Because see, anytime you believe that people are not lovable, what it does is it justifies your distance from them and it also justifies your disdain for them. And that is exactly what had happened in that culture. But notice what happens in verse 2. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, which is Luke's way of showing us another category that they had in the first century. So there was like this bucket or this category of tax collectors and sinners. And then there were like the religious professionals of the day. And neither side liked each other. So when these religious professionals see this crowd of tax collectors and sinners surrounding Jesus, I mean, it's like they just can't keep quiet. In fact, notice what Luke says about them. But when the Pharisees and teachers of the law saw this, They muttered, this man, referring to Jesus, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them, which was kind of their way of saying, like, there's no way that Jesus can be who he claims to be. Like, God would never welcome someone so unholy. God would never eat with someone so unrighteous. See, God would never love someone so different from himself. See, how they saw people determined how they treated people. And here's the big thing. And they assume that's how God saw the people as well. And Jesus knew that. So Jesus did something that just has continued to challenge religious people for like 2,000 years. He tells three stories. And he tells three stories right in a row. And they all have the same point. And the point is to help us understand what categories God uses as we interact, or God wants us to use, I should say, the categories that God wants us to use as we interact with people. Now, we're going to read you like one of the stories. It's the very first story, but it's kind of our hope that this will intrigue you enough that you'll go read the other two stories for yourself so that you can see and feel the heart of God at a completely different level than maybe you felt it before when it comes to people. Because see, when you see people as God sees them, it changes everything about the way that you treat and you interact with people. Here's the very first story, verse three. Then Jesus told them this parable. 
Suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 sheep in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now, this story, when you first read it, maybe you hear it the very first time, I mean, it could feel like almost kind of like an irrelevant story to us, but in the first century, I mean, this was just like a common occurrence. I mean, like, either you personally had lost maybe a sheep, or you knew somebody that had lost a sheep, so this whole crowd, literally both groups of people, the tax collectors and sinners, and the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, I mean, they're just like nodding along as Jesus is telling this story. To them, it's kind of like, of course. I mean, if you lost a sheep, you drop everything until you go find it. I mean, a sheep was just like too valuable just to let it go. And then once you find that sheep, I mean, you celebrate with all your friends because something valuable was lost and it's been found. Something valuable that was missing is restored. So the people listening to Jesus tell the story, I mean, they, they don't have to wonder about how that story is relevant to their culture. But what it does do is it leaves them like scratching their head over why is this discussion relevant to why or how Jesus would spend and why would Jesus spend his time with people who are far from God. And the neat thing about Jesus is he knows that. And so he spells it out for them and not just for them, but for us. Just how Jesus, he tells us how he sees the world. And here's what he says. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, you know, here's what I believe about this statement. I believe when Jesus makes this statement right here, it was one of those you could hear a pin drop kind of moment in the crowd. I believe the entire crowd is just like stunned in silence because this statement right here was so counterintuitive to them. Because these people, these Jewish people, I mean, they had been taught their entire lives that God was for religious people and God was against irreligious people. That there were certain people that God blessed who did like all these good things and then he punished all these people who just weren't good. I mean, they were just like convinced that God's focus was on those who were found, not those who were lost. See, that's how they saw the world. But Jesus, in this statement, he just flips the whole script for them, and he has just redefined what concerns and what excites God the most, and they couldn't believe it. I mean, you think about it. The tax collectors and the sinners, they're sitting there listening, and they, they could not believe that God loved them like that. No, nobody had ever shared that message. No, nobody had ever told them of that kind of hope or given them that kind of hope. But in that moment, Jesus was telling them how much God loved them and how much God cared about them. Think about it. The one who came to communicate and demonstrate what God was like was telling them that God liked them. And the religious leaders... Of that day, I mean, they couldn't believe it either. 
I mean, that went against everything that they believed. It went against everything they'd been taught because in that moment, they realized that Jesus is saying, do you know why I do what I do? Do you know why I love people the way I love people? Do you know why I treat people the way I treat people? Here's why. It's because I only see the world with two categories of people. In fact, you might want to write this down. Jesus sees the world as lost or found. That's how he sees the world. Not, not lost or found directionally, but lost or found relationally. That, that is why every person on planet Earth matters. And it's why Jesus' focus was on those who were far from God more than those who had found him. See, every person Jesus sees is either someone who is like a part of God's family or someone who isn't part of God's family. Someone who has like experienced his love and forgiveness or someone who hasn't experienced his love and forgiveness. Someone who's been restored into a relationship with God or someone who's in a broken relationship with God. So how Jesus saw people determined how he treated people. That's why when he saw people separated from their heavenly father, I mean, he just could not stand by on the sidelines. He could not just sit in heaven and, and guard his comfort. He chose to sacrifice himself for them. He felt compelled to leave heaven, to come to this earth, and to die and rise again to pay the penalty for our sin so that grace and forgiveness could be available to everybody, not just church people or good people but all people. So everybody gets exactly the same offer and everybody gets a relationship with God the same way by grace through trusting Jesus Christ. Now here's why that's so important. For those of you that are with us this morning and, and you don't consider yourself like a Christ follower or you don't consider yourself like a church person, I mean like we're so glad that you're with us today because this is a very important conversation because if there's anything, if there's like one thing that we can make happen for you, it would be this. We want you to see how Jesus sees you. Because see, when Jesus walked on this earth, it was people who were nothing like him who liked him and he liked them. I mean, somehow it was like the most irreligious, unrighteous people, they know, people who never darkened the doors of the church. I mean, they found the most holy, righteous person on the planet totally irresistible. In fact, in spite of the chasm that existed between Jesus' morality and their morality, they were like irresistibly drawn to Jesus and he was irresistibly drawn to them. I mean, like he went to their parties, he ate dinner in their homes. I mean, he like spent the weekend and their company. It was like people who were nothing like Jesus liked him because of the way that he saw them. So if we could help you understand anything, it would be to help you understand how Jesus sees you because he really, really, really likes you. But here's the problem. Here we are now like 2,000 years later and people who are nothing like Jesus often want nothing to do with people who follow Jesus or, or the version of Jesus that people that call themselves Christ followers follow. I mean, it, it, it's no wonder. I mean, you, you hear church people talking about people who are not church people. 
And, and they talk in terminology that's so condescending. And those people, blah, 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 blah. But what's happened? Well, the problem has happened because of how those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, the problem is because of how we see the world. See, we often don't see the world as like lost and found. You know what we see the world as? We see it as religious or irreligious. People that we like or people that we don't like. People that are right, people that are wrong. People that we agree with, people that we don't agree with. See, that's why far too often People who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ, they don't treat people like Jesus treated people because the truth is about you and it's the truth about me, and that is this. How you see people determines how you treat people. So let me ask this question. Who do you see? Like, like who has God put in your life that you see as lost and disconnected relationally from him? Like, who are the people in your life that Jesus would invite into a relationship with him? Do you see the lost people the way Jesus sees the lost people? Are you treating lost people like Jesus would treat them? Are you loving lost people like Jesus would love lost people? Like, who do you see when you look at people? Because if you look at people other than lost, that God loves, and God really, really likes, and you're missing the heart of God. In fact, I'm going to come back to that idea in, in just a minute, but first let me just say this. See, about 25 years ago, there was about 35 of us who wondered, like, what would happen if we created a church that sees the world and treated the world the way Jesus sees the world and treated the world? Not the kind of church where like more found people would like come and just get comfortable and, and be here to be served and, and tell each other, man, like, you're great, you're awesome, you're just amazing. And then there's talk about how bad everybody outside the church was. No, no, no. We were convinced that our communities needed a different kind of church. The kind of church that treated people who didn't believe in God with the same love and respect as those who do believe in God. The same kind of church or the kind of church that literally puts the interests and the needs of those people who are lost even before their own. The kind of church that would let people who didn't believe know that they could still belong. Because see, those are the kind of things that Jesus did for lost people. So we've like spent the last 25 years alongside so many of you just giving our heart, soul, and our being to creating that kind of church. And I'm just telling you, it's been an extraordinary kind of experience. I mean, God has allowed us to be part of the process of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ in ways that we never, ever dreamed as a church. In fact, many of you who, who are part of RCC today, I mean, like, you're on one of our campuses today, and, and, and you didn't consider yourself like a church person, and then you came and you experienced God's grace and his forgiveness personally, and it has changed you forever. Uh, others of you, like you considered yourself like a church person, but you weren't in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. 
You weren't engaging in your life, serving and living others first. And, and for you, like church was like this temple model where you showed up to be served, not serve. And now that you've come, you learn that, man, if you're a Christ follower, man, it's all about having a servant's heart and, and you're living your life with this new sense of purpose because you're living your life not for yourself, but to serve others. And your lives are so different because of what God has done in and through you. And many of you, I mean, you found it so helpful, you found it life-changing, you, you found it so impactful that you have invited friend after friend to join, and, and they've invited friend after friend to join them. And, and because of that, I mean, you've gone for like a handful of 35 people wondering if it would work to where we are now as a church. And the reason for that is because we have been so laser-focused on this, and that is this. We believe all people matter to God, and God is for all people. But here's what we know. Don't miss this. Vision leaks. It is so easy as we start getting comfortable in our walk with Jesus and as we start getting comfortable as a church to drift from the mission that God has called us to. So in order to continue to live out the mission that God has called us to, and the mission that God has called us to is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ by reaching them, equipping them, and sending them back out. To be focused on that, we've got to again refocus as we begin 2019 on what matters the most. And when we say that we've got to refocus, I mean, we're talking about every one of you on every one of our campuses who call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, refocusing on what matters the most. And that is this, it is leading people, church people and unchurched people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ. And the question is, how does that happen? And you need to be sure and understand this, because over the years, I mean, like, we've prayed about this, we've processed this. I mean, we, we tried more things as a church and failed at more things than you can ever imagine. But along the way, in that whole process, and, and we went on a journey for about seven to ten years trying to say, God, what does this look like? What does it look like? I mean, we discovered something so amazing in that first ten years of our journey, and that is this. It doesn't take a superhero to pull off creating a church that leads people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because see, God knows that we're human. And we're not the saviors of the world. And so we discovered there's like four things that is, as Christ followers, if we all do these things, it sets and creates environments to help lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. There's just four simple things. They're simple to know, but they're not always easy to live out. And, and let me just give them to you quickly. First one is this. It, it requires investing in someone who's outside the faith. And at the right time, you invite them. You invite them to an environment that we create that will help them take a next step or lead them into a growing relationship with Jesus. It's this, it's, it's serving on our dream team. It's serving people in our communities. It is connecting with people in a small group. And then the fourth thing, it is giving to kind of help fund the mission and the vision. Now here's the thing, this is so important. I'm just gonna share my heart at this point. Like I haven't been already, right? 
Some of you are going, you're a little passionate about this. Oh, absolutely. This is what we're called to as a church. See, here's the thing about these four things. Some of our five campuses, here's the thing. Some of our five campuses, they're doing one or two of these great. Some of our campuses, they're doing two or three of these things great. But here is the problem. Don't miss this. These four things are like the wheels on your car. If one of them is flat, it pretty much stops forward movement. So, so even if a campus is doing good at two or three of these, being flat in one area pretty much stops the forward movement of, our, of that campus. In fact, fulfilling our mission to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, it literally begins to get crippled on any campus that is flat in one or more areas. In fact, this is how we say it when we're, when we're talking to staff and leaders, and that is this. If you're flat in one areas of the four areas of engagement on your campus, your campus is flat or declining. So here's the thing this morning. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, we simply ask that you refocus on doing these four essential things that help us lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, let me just break them down for you a little bit more because some of you, you need to be reminded of this and for some of you, this is brand new. So the first thing is this. You need to invite a friend. This needs to be a habit of your life that you are investing and inviting every day of your life. You are investing in unchurched people every day of your life. Because here's what happens. Whenever you experience something that you like, the natural next step is to invite a friend who has not experienced that with you. I mean, like you wanna share the experience, which means you don't just be friends with people that you like, and you don't just be friends with church people, but you lean relationally in the direction of people who aren't church people, and you be their friend as well. You carve out time for that. You genuinely love and care about them and invest in their lives. And if you really think about your story and your faith journey of growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ, somebody did that for you. And I can even tell you this. When you have friends who don't follow Jesus and you invest and invest and invest in their lives and then you invite them to come to church, all of a sudden you see why these four things matter so much and why we do church as we do it. In fact, what you'll do, this is what will happen. When you start really having a heart of reaching our community for Jesus Christ, lost people in our community, what will happen is instead of fighting for the parking, par parking spot closest to the front door, you move farther away because you understand that's what a follower of Jesus Christ does. He leaves the best or she leaves the best for others. Another thing is, is you start moving away from the back seats and the end of the row and, and you start moving toward the front and you move toward the middle so that other people don't have to crawl over you. I mean, after all, that's what love would do, right? Just a thought. But see, here's the thing. If you don't live your life investing and inviting, you're never really gonna get why we do what we do as a church. You're just not gonna get it. And you're gonna be focused on what's in it for me? What's in it for me? It's all about me. You're not doing enough for me. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. I died for those who are lost. Now I'm sending you out to reach that one that is lost. So the first thing is that you invite a friend. The second thing is this, is you serve on a team. 
See, when you decide to follow Jesus, you don't have to read the pages of Scripture very, quick, very long to quickly see that Jesus, he calls us to pour out our lives for others. See, a natural next step of following Jesus is to serve. See, loving others, it's not about being a consumer. It's about being a contributor. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, which means this, you can't love like Jesus, you can't love other people like Jesus without serving. Now notice something. Jesus didn't use the word volunteering, and we don't use the word volunteering. See, we didn't say volunteering, we said serving. And here's why. We've never used the word volunteer at RCC. Because see, a volunteer serves when it's convenient for them. In fact, whenever I hear someone on any of our campuses tell me this, well, I'm just a volunteer. You can't ask that much. I go, well, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Because we're called to lay down our lives for other people. And by the way, I'm a volunteer. This church doesn't own me, doesn't own any of our staff. We volunteer to be on staff. Every staff member we have could go out from our church and they could make more money and have less of a burden to bear in life. And it's a wonderful welcome burden that we carry because we choose to. We, we choose to do that. So everybody volunteers in the kingdom of God. Whether you get a salary or you don't get a salary. See, a person that truly has a servant's heart serves even when it's inconvenient for them. In fact, I heard one of our campuses was like, they weren't scheduling people on a weekly basis or every other week on a basis. They were just trying to operate, letting people show up when it was convenient for them. And I'm like, man, the kingdom of God will never advance if we're not sacrificing and laying down our lives to serve others. So we serve because love serves. Listen, you have no idea what a difference you can make. I mean, just look at what God has done through RCC because of people who have served, not volunteered, but they have served over these last 25 years. It's made such a big difference. And the third one is this, is connecting a group. Listen, following Jesus is hard. And we all need help in doing it. So a natural step after you decide to follow Jesus is, is this. Is that you find other people who are following Jesus. And you do life together. Listen, the, the way that we create an environment for that is, is, is through groups. And I'm telling you, here's why we feel like you need to be part of groups. You, you need to understand that sitting in rows... Just listening to one of us teach on a Sunday morning is like you're never going to need or you're never going to learn everything you're going to need to live a fully engaged, growing relationship, in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. You need people who care for you and know what's going on in your world so that you can give love and so that you can receive love. So that you can encourage and you can be encouraged. Like you need weekly encouragement to grow in your faith. And I'm just going to tell you, if you're not growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, then our church can't effectively help other people grow in theirs either. So if you're not in a group, man, we want you to get in a group. In fact, this week, I mean, you can sign up for a group. And, and we, we want to help you just get connected. It's such an important thing. So signing for a group, I mean, it is the best thing that you can do to help remind you that you are doing this for other people so that you can stay encouraged. So here's the thing. 
get in a group and um, you, you're told today, man, you can do that online, you can do that through our app, you, you can do that at a sign-up place there on your campus. But finally, let me just give you this one. If we're gonna keep impacting our communities for Jesus, another important essential is that we be generous. We, we say simply this, just give generously. Because another natural step to following Jesus and loving like he loved is to give, because here's why. Generosity, it reflects the heart of God. God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And generosity is what allows us to love our community, to love the people in our world, and to love the people in our church really well. So we challenge you, be generous. Or for some of you, just start being generous. Now, here's what I know. If we each one as Christ followers, as individuals followers of Jesus Christ, if we make this the habits of our lives, then collectively as a church, what will happen is we will be effective in leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, this is personal for all of us. Each of us have an opportunity to help our campus replace the flat tire or tires on our campus. Listen, if your campus is flat in one area, your ability to fulfill the mission is absolutely hindered. And, and if you wanna know if your campus is flat in an area, look at yourself in the mirror and see if you are fully functioning in all four of these areas. See, some of you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have become a slow leak on your campus. And, and you know what's so sad about a slow leak is a, a slow leak, it, it doesn't happen overnight, but all of a sudden one day it's just like, we're flat and we can't move forward. And, and if you're not fully engaged in all four of these areas, here's what I can tell you. It's because of how you see people. Because the truth is, how you see people determines how you treat people. See, when Jesus sees our world, he sees them as lost and found. And he, he sacrificed his life so no one has to be lost relationally. See, when Jesus sees our world, man, he, he wants you to understand how much he loves you. So if you're here today, and I mean, you're not a Christ follower, I mean, here's the thing. We hope you realize how much God cares about you. I mean, he died so that you could be forgiven. He loves you that much. And we want you to know that you're sitting among people who love you too, and, and we're for you. And, and that's why so many of us, we're willing to sacrifice our time and our, our money and our comfort and our energy to make sure you know how much God loves you. Because here's what we understand. How you see people determines how you treat people. And we see you as infinitely valuable to our Heavenly Father. And we believe that His love for you is greater than you can ever imagine and that He loves you unconditionally. So if you're here today on any of our campus and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, man, we want you to do the same. We want you to love people the way Jesus loves people. So as a Christ follower, we can be leading people into a growing relationship 
with Jesus Christ. But we have to engage in all four areas. Listen, folks, we have to get involved. We have to give our time, our talents, and our treasures. We, we have to do whatever it takes to create a place and to create space for people who are far from God. Because when you see as God sees, you can't help but do what God did for us. That's why when you came in today on your chair, there was a four card in your chair. And we want you to take this one with you. We, we don't necessarily want you to hand this one out. We want you to put this somewhere to remind you that there are only two categories of people and God is for all of them. Because here's the reality. How you see people this week is gonna determine how you treat people. And we have this incredible opportunity as a church in 2019 to reach our communities for Jesus Christ, to impact our world for Jesus Christ, to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. All we have to do is engage. And we are challenging you to see people the way Jesus sees people so you will fully engage and treat people the way Jesus treated people. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity. This opportunity to... Just stop and pause and be reminded of what matters, what, what gets the attention of and what excites the heart of God. And I pray that this week, God, as we interact with people, that we will fully engage in this process, that we will commit to saying we like our loving Heavenly Father we're gonna love, we're gonna serve, we're gonna connect, and we're gonna give so that other people can have that relationship with you that so many of us enjoy. God, you invited us into a relationship. You, you invested so much in us, and you invited us. You, you've served us in so many ways, God. You, you've connected with us in, in ways that are so amazing, and you've given to us so generously. So help us to go and be like you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have a great week showing everybody you're for them. We'll see you next Sunday.